Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and a very happy holiday season to you and yours. Welcome to the second annual Pantheon Podcast Holiday Special. I am your overly cheery host, Corey O'Flanagan, and I am joined today by a handful of my Pantheon Podcast family to bring you all sorts of joy and holiday cheer through the wondery that is holiday music. Cue the intro. In all seriousness, I am so happy to be putting this show together again and bring you an assortment of amazing holiday music. If you're like me, you've heard some of these and others will be new to you, but that is what this is all about. So to start things off, I asked Cody Carson of the band Set It Off about their attempt to write an original Christmas song, This Christmas, I'll Burn It to the Ground, which he gives us the story behind right now. So so this was around the time when Set It Off, we had a very, very dark, maniacal sound to us. And that was because we had like a popular sound. And I'm like, what am I doing? I love like horror movies and my chem and all these darker sounds. And I have an orchestral background. Let's just merge them all together. And so we got this offer to do Punk Goes Christmas for Fearless um, before we were on Fearless Records, actually. And they were like, OK, well, you have you have two options. You can cover a Christmas song or you can write your own. And in my competitive mindset, I'm like, well, I want to stand out. <laughs> so like let's let's write a Christmas song and then let's write a one that's not a happy Christmas song. So I was like I was like I guarantee nobody's going to do this. So we we got in the studio and we started working on this track and um I guess I guess it started at home on GarageBand at the time. But I wanted to uh, tell a story about a kid who got who just hated Christmas because every year his wealthy neighbors get all the toys that they want and he never gets what he wants and they just bully him. He goes, he decides one day, it's very like the how the Grinch stole Christmas, decides one day he's going to sneak into all of their homes, grab all of their gifts, all of their trees. In this story, they live in a cul-de-sac, so they all have like a front-facing view to this. Uh-huh. He drags them all out into the center of the cul-de-sac and he wakes them all up and he lights it all on fire so they can see their Christmas just burn. <laughs> Amazing. It's absolutely sadistic and ridiculous. But the creation of this was so fun. Like I wanted to, since I knew that we could cover things, I wanted to have elements of like um, Christmas in there. So 
we got we hired a I think it was a four piece chamber choir to come in and sing Deck the Halls to start because I wanted people to hear it and go, oh wow they're do, they're gonna do a pop punk Deck the Halls that's nice. Oh, it and fools then, you right off oh, the bat. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, want, I wanted to play with everybody, so like it starts with that, and then we had this like Deck the Halls and bells, and then it goes lo 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 lo, and you hear it go away, and then all of a sudden this minor key guitar comes in and my, I'm laughing like I'm a, like like I'm the freaking joker <laughs> and, and it just you can, you can tell okay this is going down a whole different path and starts to tell the story it's very high energy high tempo and then um there's two moments I wanted one was heavily inspired by the musical the book of mormon there was uh this song called spooky mormon hell dream and at one point uh it goes from uh it, it's all dark and it switches to Jesus loves you this we know for Jesus just told you so and, and it just but it does that out of nowhere and so I was so obsessed with how they did that switch and I found out they just literally went from like if it was an A minor they just made it A, mi a major then back to A minor like we're doing that so I did um, up on the housetop I know I was like up I, as the kid I was like up on the housetop gifts are mine kiss your Christmas tree on the word tree it goes back to minor just so we get that little character switch. But, uh, and then in the bridge, I wanted to do dun da da dun dun da da dun. So that was like a meter switch from four four to six eight. We were just doing whatever we wanted. We we're like, let's just like have fun, do whatever we want and make this a whole experience for everybody. And it may not be like one of our singles or anything like that. And it was on a compilation album, but that is honestly one of the songs I'm the most proud of that we've ever made. Martin Popoff here from History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. I'm glad that Corey is doing this again this year. Very cool. Last year I submitted uh, and talked a little bit about Angel Winter Song, Christmas Song. Um, and this year, I can't believe I forgot about this because this is hands down my favorite Christmas song. It must have been because I was I was knee deep in the middle of writing an Angel book uh, when, when we did this last year. But I'm picking Krampus by Snowy Shaw. Absolutely have to check this out. Well, you're going to check it out because uh, Corey is uh, is going to play it. It's going to shock a few people. Um, Snowy Shaw is one of these musical geniuses like a Devin Townsend who can and does play everything amazingly. He's mostly known as a drummer for a lot of extreme metal acts, but everything he does is of such a high quality and so creative and well-written. Even his singing voice is varied. He has a number of personalities to that. He's an awesome guitarist, but the amazing thing about this Krampus song is that you can actually see a video that he completely did himself and you can see him playing all the instruments in it. It's a gorgeous, really cool video. Uh, you know, it, it looks like an expensive video. He's got other, other videos from this album as well. So the album is called White is the New Black. Krampus is actually the first song on it. There's another amazing, amazing video. I'll leave it up to you when you go play the video, but there's a song on here called Nachtgeist. 
um, which uh, you can consider a maybe a Christmas song as well. So you're getting a two for one here. But Krampus is an absolutely beautifully recorded and performed and complicated, interesting Christmas song with a real sense of humor, although it is pretty extreme. Um, and just to tell you, I mean, this this Snowy Shaw album that he did, he's been part of probably about 20 different bands. He actually even just put out a beautiful, well-done, hardcover autobiography of his life. It's, it's a really good read because this guy pulls no punches. He's an absolute musical genius. He's a, he's a treasure in our heavy metal world. As you can tell, even if you're not a metal fan, you're going to be able uh, to tell that he's uh, he's quite a talented individual when you play this Krampus song, but uh, his his whole you know half concept for this for this amazing White is the New Black album that he put out is that he's he said this is a greatest hits album of mine before the songs are hits. So so he he half formulated that uh, on a whole bunch of records going forward he's going to put one song or two songs from this this uh, night uh, this 2018 studio album on all of those so it's like a reverse greatest hits album but this is the first song on the album it's an absolute masterpiece i hope Corey's going to play it uh, i don't see why why he wouldn't because it's it's highly entertaining it's not profane or anything like that uh, either it's just a really uh really humorous cool extreme metal song uh, krampus so thanks again Corey, and happy holidays to everybody Hi, it's Brad Page from the I'm in Love With That Song podcast, and I'm just happy to be invited back to this Song Facts Christmas party. I have a fascination with oddball original Christmas songs. The more obscure, the better. But sometimes I just enjoy a different take on a Christmas classic, like this version of Sleigh Ride by The Soulful Strings. Or this jazzy take by the Herb Geller Quartet. this version by Lenny D and his organ from his album Happy Holiday. My current favorite version of Sleigh Ride is this one by the Fab Four. The Fab Four are probably the best Beatles tribute band in the country, and they've released a couple of Christmas albums where they put a decidedly Beatle-tastic spin on some holiday classics. So here's a bit of their take on Sleigh Ride. Happy holidays, everyone. 
Stephanie Talk Tunes podcast and happy holidays to you. I'm Stephanie Myers. Hey, and I am Stephanie Pena. We talk about the songs that are the soundtrack to our lives and those stories and memories connected to those songs. It's the songs you want to forget but love to remember in the best way. We're excited to be on Song Facts today and we're also a proud member of the Pantheon Network. And today we're just going to talk about an excellent rock and holiday song. It's one from Tom Petty. And it is one of my, I think, all-time favorite holiday songs. It's fantastic. It's Tom Petty's Christmas All Over Again. Everybody's singing. All the bells are ringing out. And it's Christmas all over again. Yeah, again. Great. Tom was just so cool yes uh, he was we love him so much he wrote this for charity he donated all the proceeds to charity it's fantastic uh you often hear it on the radio during christmas and holiday season often on your uh your starbucks your stores you've also heard it in movies home alone too very very petty style song references rock it references music it references hey what do you want for christmas maybe it's a guitar he does this little spoken word at the end with his music-centric Christmas list. He's like, hey, Santa, I'd like this, this, this. Fantastic. <laughs> it's my favorite. I know we just played a little clip, but definitely take a listen to the full song if you're not familiar, because it really represents the spirit of the season for me. And it was so cool that he wrote this, that it became this rock Christmas classic, and that he donated all those proceeds to charity. And Stephanie, you and I are such Tom fans. Yes, we are. Yeah, we have such memories connected to him. So many that we have actually an episode that's just about Tom Petty memories. Um, that's episode eight of Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. Check that out if you're a Tom fan. So much more uh, that he just brought to our lives. But we love him. And this song is fantastic. It's been covered over the years. Most recently, last year, the Goo Goo Dolls did a very successful cover. And even Bon Jovi last year covered it too. So it's great wow. to see it, get the press it deserves. Yes, yes, yes. So I actually, guys, I just listened to the to this song for the first time today. Um, I am definitely, as Stephanie mentioned, a Tom Petty fan for sure. I'm not much of a holiday person, but I did really like the fact that this is a rockin' tune. This is something that's not about, you know, deck the halls, Santa this, Santa that. This is just, let's have fun. Um, this is, it's just, it's a feel-good Christmas song. So I really enjoyed it. And so I'll be on the lookout next time at the Starbucks or if I'm at some time at the department store doing my last minute shopping, I will bypass Mariah Carey and look for Tom. 
And I just want to say, Stephanie, it's such high praise to hear from you that you enjoyed the song, even though I know you're a Tom Petty fan, because you notoriously, and you've talked about it on the show, just not a Christmas person. So I feel like it's even higher praise coming from you. It's the magic of Tom. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's the magic of Tom. This is all Tom, y'all. So get in the holiday spirit. Listen to some Tom Petty. Listen to Stephanie and Stephanie talk too, especially episode eight, where we have a lot to talk about um, in regards to his legacy of music and how it ties into our friendship. It's fantastic. I love him so much. And no better way to kick off the holiday season than with some Tom Petty, remembering how great he was. What a versatile dude. He's written all these songs that were just for straight up top 40. And then he goes and writes this. He's like, yeah, we can do a holiday song. So just love him. Giving some Tom love today. Absolutely. Check it out. Just want to thank you guys having us on. Visit Stephanie's Talk Tunes across social media. Find us. Peace out. Love you all. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Hey, this is Travis. And I'm Quentin. And we're twin brothers. That's right, Q. We're twins and we host the No Filler Music Podcast. And our song choice, Q, is a song by Vince Guaraldi, but that was a cover by none other than Krong Bin. Yes. And if you listen to our podcast, we have talked about them aplenty over the, the last two years. We are big Krong Bin fans, yeah. Big Krong Bin fans. Yeah, and Travis and I grew up on the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. It's a staple, dude. It's a staple. Really special album for us, man. Like, yeah. really, you, you can't have the holiday season without that music, dude. No. And Krongman's cover, that's one of my favorite songs on the soundtrack. Yeah. And I think they just, I think they pull it off so lovely. They put their, you know, psychedelic spin on it. It's great. Yeah, what's what's not to like? You got Vince Guaraldi. You got Krongman. And, you know, since we're from Texas, Krongbin is from Houston. Um, and, you know, kind of like with the holidays, like Krongbin has done something for people uh, who live in Texas with that song, Texas Sun, right? With Leon Bridges. Where it's just like this nostalgia, this like, you know, urging to, to, to go back home, which would be Texas. I mean, that's what they're singing about. They're on tour. They miss Texas with the holidays, right? You're longing for that unachievable like home idea of home or whatever so that's i mean at least that's what kind of what, what makes it even more special to me right it's krongbin it's the holidays it's finn skiraldi what more do yeah, you need man. what more do you need so yeah happy holidays everyone yes happy holidays everyone take care hey holly Hey, Dave. This year, 2021, I think Sparks meant a lot to us. Sparks definitely meant a lot to us. So I think it was apropos that we chose a Sparks holiday song. Sparks put out two movies. We saw Annette with Adam Driver and... Marion Cotillard. Thank you for filling me in on that one. Also, the documentary, Edgar Wright, the, the, the Sparks Brothers, which highly recommend. It's available on Netflix, so there's a little Sparks plug for you. 
Spark plug. Such a great documentary. A spark plug. The yeah. sparks plug. That's awesome. Good job, Dave. Yeah, thanks. We decided uh, let's do a, the Sparks Christmas song that we enjoy. What is the song that we're going to talk about from Sparks? The song is called Thank God It's Not Christmas. Which is, uh, <laughs> this is off the album Kimona My House from 1974. Do you think this is a Christmas song? <laughs> that is the question, isn't it? I do think it's a Christmas song in that it's obviously set at Christmas time. And you can definitely hear those from the keyboards and the guitar, a little uh, Christmas jingle, ho, ho, ho going on. Why don't you tell me what this song <laughs> is about officially? I don't know officially what this is about. Uh, uh-huh. It sounds like it's got, uh, you know, it's a hipster, cooler than cool, who uh, mm-hmm. likes going out and having a good time and uh, gets bummed out when he has to be by himself. Start come Christmas time because, you know, probably the clubs are closed. But there's also some underlying tones there. What You're shaking your head. What what do you, uh, what'd you get out of this? So the chorus says... Thank God it's not Christmas when there is only you and nothing else to do. Thank God it's not Christmas where there's just you to do. The rest is closed to public view. Huh, maybe, maybe it's a love song. As we've talked about in the past, all songs can be related to love. Oh. What? I, why are uh, you, why are you? Uh... No, I, when, I, when he says only you, I think it's only you by yourself and you. That's why he likes going out and pretending like he's having a great time. And then he has to face reality like... You know what? Uh, come Christmas time, everything's closed, and you got to deal with you and only you. For some reason, I thought that there was a lady in here. No, I don't think there is. And then it ends with, if this were the sin, we'd be very suave, but it's just the rain washing down the boulevard. That's kind of a sad ending. It's a very sad ending. I'm going to retract my Not at you all. Know, love song and a lady here. When you listen to the song, it's kind of poppy. Also kind of led me to think. Sure, you got drawn in. You yeah. Got by the, uh, the upbeat I love a good song. pop song. Who doesn't? But yeah, it's, you know, it's a typical Spart song. It's, you know, operatic and fun and you know sometimes looks can be deceiving is what this song might be about but still you know it's christmas time thank god it's not christmas right we can go thank out thank god it's not christmas <laughs> all right all right well very good so there's our take happy holidays holly <laughs> happy holidays to you dave and to all the listeners of the what differences it make podcast and song facts check you later over and out ho 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 Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this.
Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport-and-use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel, Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So... If you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high-quality sound, check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. Thank you for checking out Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark. And like many of you, I love Chris Cornell's version of the holiday classic, Ave Maria. Chris's unique version of the song could only have happened with the collaborative efforts of Natasha Schneider and Alan Johannes, the core of his early solo work. Alan joins me to talk about the development of the song, what ideas they used and didn't use, how they came up with the arrangement, Chris's unique approach to the vocals, and a lot more. So please give Alan a follow on Instagram, at Alan Johannes, that's a-L-A-I-N-J-O-H-A-N-N-E-S. He is constantly posting music for everybody, and he's a sweetheart to boot. And give us a follow at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. So grab a holiday drink, you know, an eggnog, a hot toddy, hot buttered rum, apple cider, and sit back and relax to Alan Johannes discussing Chris Cornell's Ave Maria. Happy holidays from Performance Anxiety, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. So you recorded uh, with Chris Cornell, and you you and and your wife Natasha were Mm -hmm. the core of Chris's first solo album, Euphoria Morning. Yeah, the three of us were were kind of the the triumvirate, the uh, the three-headed monster, the Hydra of uh, Euphoria. I recommend everybody go back and listen to the episode that you did with me in May of 2019, because that gives the whole backstory. Exactly. Awesome, awesome experience, and we covered it really, really quite uh, heavily there. Well, um, yeah, and I yeah, appreciate you I, doing that. Everybody, go back course. and check that out. Yeah, was Ave Maria recorded at that time? No, it was a little earlier than that. Uh, from, oh. I'm trying to be. I'm kind of like going by the by the uh, the sounds. Mm-hmm. And okay, so basically, the the 
we toured with Soundgarden. We've been friends, right? And then Soundgarden stopped uh, for that first time, you know, after after Down on the Upside, uh, until you know, obviously re, re, uh, coming back together uh, in twenty, I think ten or eleven, was it? Oh, oh. King Animal. Yeah, King Animal. But uh, yeah. but but basically, Chris was was kind of decompressing. He was staying with us, and we didn't have the studio at eleven AD yet. Kind of hanging out, you know, doing or yeah, whatever this and that. Um, we did uh, uh, he so we had a little kind of setup at the house. We had a track machine. We didn't have the fancy studio yet because okay. he was instrumental in getting us that. Uh, so, and Al Kafar, the president of A and M, that plays into this. So, basically, I think it this probably happened sometime after Sun Shower. So we did Sun Shower first, okay, with 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 the limited equipment that we had, you know, but still obviously decent enough to sound good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Kafar, well, he invited Al Kafar, the president, to come over and listen to our stuff. And Al really, really loved what he heard, and he offered us a record deal. And and we were ballsy, touch we were ballsy enough to go into his office and ask for that money for the record deal for a studio, as opposed to hiring professionals. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so they've never done it before, because usually a label would rather rent you something than actually buy it for you, even though it costs them more money. It's like a weird ethical thing that they got oh um, wow. yeah yeah <laughs> so i mean obviously not every case but whatever. record company um, ethics that's that's an oxymoron yeah, yeah. i think well, well you know obviously it's, like <laughs> being dick, it's yeah. a little dickish you're like rather <laughs> like like oh it's only three grand to buy the guitar yeah but yeah no no we're, we don't buy anybody anything we're gonna rent this guitar that's gonna be 10 grand yeah but whatever okay. <laughs> uh, so, so so we ended up we ended up with by the time we ended up with the studio we did have a guard dog and then after that we did uh euphoria morning Okay. Even though Avon Gardner came out after. So, judging by what I'm hearing, uh, the Ave Maria was, uh, you know, they did a very, a very special Christmas uh, compilation, A&M did. Yes. So we were asked, we were asked that the Chris and, and, and us were asked to do it to get collaborate. Or he was asked and he came to, I forgot the chronology, or he, he was asked to do one, or we were both asked to do it together, maybe at dinner, Al Kafar said, that would be great. And so we chose uh, Schubert's Ave Maria. And... You can hear in there like the, the the orchestral sounds are all you know samples library based and, and at the time we had like a, a, a Proteus orchestral module by Emu, um, we had a Roland sampling thing and so the timpanis and the and the thing but uh, you know so the, Natasha's performing all this stuff you know for the bed and then I know that she you know she definitely said like wow well, we need an intro. Uh, da, 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 da. You know, this beautiful beginning. It's like that's actually not part of the Schubert composition, and it's the outro as well. So obviously, she's like, "This needs something." Yeah, and yeah, it's Schubert. Yeah. <laughs> Chris did an incredible job singing it. 
Um, and then Natasha snakes around him, like in the lower and higher register. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, so, so that, that's how we came to, uh, came up with that. And, um, kind of wish now going back now that we would have been able to afford like an orchestra, a real orchestra, but it's really charming in the way that it is. It does sound a little bit dated with the sounds, but, but it's such a great performance by Chris yes. and Natasha's arrangement and stuff, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm, I was just like, you know, being my, my contribution was being, yeah, that's awesome. And recording it, <laughs> recording that. That was my big input on that one. Even this is because it's Chris Cornell in 11. Or maybe, maybe, oh, I think Greg, Greg Upshur is playing drums on that, actually. Yeah, that's why I wanted to ask yeah. if, if, a time frame because I, I know Josh Freeze plays most of the drums on Euphoria Morning. Yeah, no, he, Greg plays on it too. And so, and Vic and, uh, and Drizo plays on uh, Wave Goodbye. Okay. And Bill Rieflin play, uh, plays on uh, Rest in Peace, Bill. Um, yeah. Played on Steel Rain. Um, Matt Cameron played on Disappearing One, right? And then the yeah, rest yeah, is yeah. Josh Freese. Yeah. So, so, so this is before this is before Euphoria Morning because Greg had already joined. Maybe I think he he Sunshower and even Ave Maria and Sunshower was probably because of the sound. We didn't we didn't we made our guard dog with uh, at the house with the fancy gear with Greg playing drums because Jack had left for for Pearl Jam until he came back for Hollywood, right? Right. And then Matt Cameron went to Britain. It's just kind of this weird, like, okay, you go and I stay and then we do this. <laughs> and uh, and so I would definitely say that, yeah, Greg uh, played on both of that and Sun Shower before we got to studio equipment. So, because, you know, okay. obviously it wasn't, it wasn't overnight that we got signed. It takes a few months for the contracts and then it takes a while to get the approved for the, by the year and whatever. Yeah. So, so, well, you know, obviously we were sitting there and then when you, when, you know, Christmas songs and music, a lot of them are pretty familiar to people and some of them are really melodic and, and sweet, but, but not, not a lot of them are virtuosic in that sense, you know, the, okay. the way that Ave Maria is, or, and it's obviously part of like, like, uh, you know, part of the classical repertoire as well and Schubert and, and, and whatever. So, so we chose, we, we chose that one for that very reason because it could you know it could be really nice and chris sounds so great on it and oh yeah it's uh, yeah, yeah i mean it's been cited as one of his greatest performances so yeah it's were, yeah. There, were there any other songs in the mix for the album or was it always ave maria um no i mean it was either that one or or it was uh, uh maybe the 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 bach Gounod ave maria which oh, is the other one yeah yeah you know yes yes ave maria you know with, the, with latin and stuff you know yeah yeah um yeah that's a beautiful one but like uh, that would have been a great one too would have been really nice with natasha just playing the bach which is basically the prelude number one right? you know yeah and, and chris singing that that would have been the other one the other choice i think and besides that i don't i don't think i think we we're looking specifically for something that that was connected to to both the classical repertoire obviously for the for the virtuosic possibilities and because, you know, like there's some great Christmas tunes, but some of them, you know, it's not exactly like you can sink your teeth. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah exactly. You know, Jingle Bell Rock is great, but Jingle it's not. Bell, dude, yeah, I yeah, know, of course. I mean, it is. It is, too, in a different kind of way. But, yeah, you know, we're talking it's... about it's Chris Cornell. You know, you want, you know. Yeah. Exactly. You got to challenge that voice. You know, it's. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> did it take a long time? I mean, were there, were, there, were there a lot of takes of it or did he nail no, it pretty quickly? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's for what I remember, we did it in one afternoon, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Natasha would have would have worked out the arrangement spontaneously in her head and performed it, and then I think probably had Greg come in and when Chris would sing things like, 
you know, one, two or three takes. It depends. Like, like uh, sometimes he would nail straight away. But the performance he always nailed, it was very often he was after a particular sound from his voice. And he would search search for that sound. If you notice in Euphoria Morning how the tonality and the vibe of his voice fit, fits the song perfectly, and each one is different. Like the, the steel rain tone is not the same as uh, uh, when I'm down or, or you know, with like goodbye, goodbye or, yeah. or, pre- or preaching. You know, they're, they're, they're all quite... Uh, I mean, it's obviously still him, but but they're all quite tailored to the emotional content of the song and and, and the vibe of it, you know. Yeah. And that's what he that, that's what he would work on. He would he would sit there and and kind of think about it for a second, be kind of quiet, and he'd say, "Okay, I'm ready." And then he'd perform it. And then he would say, "Okay, give me a minute," and he'd sit there for about five ten minutes just thinking about it, you know. Wow. And he could hear him. Yeah, he could you know in the control room I could hear him think. I mean, like he'd be like. And then like some more sound, you know, <laughs> you, hear the, you hear a car go by, you hear the dog barking and then, you know, cause it was a house. So we, there was all right. these ambient sounds <laughs> and he was like, okay, I'm ready. And then, so then we go for another take. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I love the track. That's why I wanted to reach out to you and, and ask you some questions about it. But I mean, sometimes it's, they're not songs aren't appreciated immediately i think yeah. that one was did you guys get that feeling as well as soon as it came out on the album yeah i mean i mean in a way in a way i mean obviously like some eyebrows were raised because of the context before it's before you for morning so yeah. in a way uh between that and sun shower it kind of even though it was still shocking for a lot of people to hear before morning after Soundgarden, i think that uh ave maria and sun shower kind of lessened that shock for some, you know, between that and, and his, his Poncia EP and then Temple of Dog, they, you know, everyone knew that, that Chris could go different directions whenever he felt that, uh, felt like it, you know? Yeah. And before morning being a classic example of him, you know, just wanting to explore different uh, styles of songwriting and different atmospheres and, and, and to see what his voice could do within a context, you know, and, and, mm. you know, and obviously that's, you know, it was always, inherently there in Soundgarden too, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, never, never on display quite like that. I mean, I know he did some amazing things vocally for Soundgarden, but yeah, that really took it to a whole different level, you know, where he, I mean, I believe he was getting respect from people that maybe had put him aside as a rock singer instead of just right. a great singer. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, he, he always went way above like, you know, like in other words, like transcend, you know, he yeah. always transcended. I, I, I would, I remember playing even before we, we met, we met around the time of bad motor finger, but I remember playing some pretty serious hardcore, like uh, <laughs> nose turned up, like, you know, a musician appreciation of music in the odd world. And then, and I would, I would, I would quiet them down the second they would hear Chris's voice because it transcended, you know. Soundgarden in general did too, because of, because obviously just the vibe and the feeling of it and, and it was such great music and so creative, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. and Thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate the insight <laughs> you've given on the song. It's it's one of my favorite Christmas tracks ever. And uh, I'm so glad that you were there because you and Natasha definitely put your stamp on it and made it sound Ooh. like Chris Cornell and Eleven. I mean, it's just, there's right. no other sound that's, that yeah, is that. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of our achievements and 
our legacy and stuff. And, and I certainly miss those two, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I'm, I'm just trying to, to do my best, just carry on a little bit here. Well, but, um, but it's lovely to be able to live, to access those memories through listening to the music, you know? Yeah. 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 And congratulations on fin wrapping up the, the latest album, I believe. Yes, hum. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's uh it's been out for a little bit now, and I'm I'm already like starting to uh, to get itchy about making some some new music. It's gonna be instrumental, I think, for for a minute. Oh, cool. um, I, I want to explore that side because you know my Instagram, I'm constantly improvising and posting stuff. Yes, um, love it. But yeah, thank you, and and so I'd love to explore that for a minute and and kind of see what it's like to to just be on Bandcamp only and and not streaming. You know, just kind of like have a direct. I love to I love to access the the people that are simpatico with my particular vibe. You know, it's getting to that point because it doesn't need to be that many people as long as as long as you can connect to an audience that, that is resonant and as long as somehow the the income stream is uh, sustains you you know and, and and nobody wants you know needs i mean i, I got a 2006 toyota girl and you know it's like i, I could i could live in a shack as long as my gear's with me you know <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's just about being able to keep my mind clear and stress-free you know, as much as possible. Obviously, that's not it's not totally doable with this with this, uh, yeah. this, this particular universal situation. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. you know, you know, like, uh, but whatever. But if it's possible to to, to to try to do it, it'd be great. Awesome. awesome, brother. Well, look, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Yeah, same thing. Happy New Year. Just be healthy and happy and and fulfilled with our creative uh, dreams and other things. everybody this is steve J and the other steve from all music podcasts recently Corey o'flanagan from the podcast song facts reached out to us to see if we were interested in submitting a christmas tune for their annual holiday special podcast and as this is our first full year on pantheon media of course we were but you know us we had to take a deep dive and a deep dive we did as you may know, the other Steve and I both have a background in the music industry and both worked extensively with the legendary Boston low-rock band Morphine. And if you know their music, you're thinking, what, a holiday tune from them? Well, yes. The perfectly titled Sexy Christmas Baby Mine was included in the anthology At Your Service, and it is everything you'd expect from Morphine. Right, Steve? Expect? Sure. I mean, you'd expect a band to play their christmas song like maybe in december right <laughs> but morphine only played the song out once or twice in their whole career and usually in july and as for the content any deep hidden meanings or christmas cheer well i guess that's for the listener to decide mark was never one to divulge his inspirations so yeah expect the unexpected
Well, that kind of wraps morphine up in a nutshell. Well, I also worked with morphine on a different level, and I have to say that this is just a perfect original Christmas tune. Usually I lean towards classic holiday tunes and interpretations of those classics as opposed to original tunes. I once put together a bummer Christmas tunes playlist and can say that it was both perfectly titled, but also never played again. This is different and classic and morphine. Christmas cards upon the wall Mail seems to come so slow Tinsel starts to lose its glimmer Maybe you don't have a phone Think about you every year About this time About this time You know who you are you are my sexy Christmas baby Hey folks, my name is Morris Brzezinski and I'm the host of Love It Album podcast and a co-host of the See Here podcast. My huge thanks to Corey for bringing back this wonderful concept of asking his fellow Pantheon hosts to talk about a favorite holiday song. If everyone else is going to do Christmas songs, I'm going to go bah humbug and talk about a Hanukkah song this year. It distresses me that the well of Hanukkah songs, never mind great ones, does not run as deep as Christmas songs. I mean, couldn't Mel Torme, Irving Berlin or Sammy Khan have thrown in something for us? Huh? Probably some of the greatest songs for Hanukkah were written by the great Woody Guthrie, and I might focus on a couple of those next year. But this year, I want to have a look at a song I never expected to emerge from the late, great Sharon Jones. Well, 
one of my great musical regrets is that I never saw Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings live. It's not like I never had the chance. She toured Australia a number of times. Reports were all consistently great about the energy she and the band had. I have her albums, and as a fan of old school soul, her music was always exciting to me. Sadly, she succumbed to pancreatic cancer in November 2016, but she left a beautiful legacy of wonderful music and happy music lovers. In 2015, she released an album called It's a Holiday Soul Party, mostly featuring Christmas songs, but the album opens with the song Eight Days of Hanukkah. The song is a wonderful celebration of the holiday, touching on everything from the origins of the festival to the celebrations Jewish families have at this time of year, mostly involving food and candles. The fact that Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings could provide a soulful musical take on a holiday I love puts a smile on my face every year. It has such a great mid-tempo groove and the horn riffs are simple but effective in the way great soul music is. Check out this song, then go back and listen to anything involving this band. If you haven't had the chance to do so, I'd recommend you watch the documentary Miss Sharon Jones, which was filmed during her battle with cancer. A sad tale that's made uplifting by the musical performances and Sharon's strength and determination. This is Cecily from the Strange Phenomena, the Music of Kate Bush podcast here on the Pantheon Podcast Network. So my show, I go through every single song that the lovely Kate Bush has ever produced. And that includes not just the big songs, but also the little B-sides and other little things that are tucked away, such as this song. So one of my other favorite holiday songs is Home for Christmas, which is by our lovely Kate Bush. I've been waiting to hear your footsteps saying that you'll be coming home for Christmas. Please say you won't forget me that every moment's empty. But only till you're coming home for Christmas. Kate Bush doesn't have many Christmas sort of songs. First one that most people think of is December Will Be Magic Again, which was actually a charted hit in the UK. And the other one is Home for Christmas. So Home for Christmas is a B-side from the Red Shoes era, which I'm actually going to be getting to next year in 2022. I'm finishing up the central world as I speak to you right now. And the next album coming up after that will be the Red Shoes. So as I said, Kate has two holiday songs, and this is the second one. This song was written for a BBC TV film. As part of the Comic Strip Presents series, this was for the BBC TV film Wild Turkey. And it was originally broadcast on December 24th, 1992. And Home for Christmas is the sweet and simple theme song for this episode. In fact, there is nothing more than Kate's vocals and a, an acoustic guitar, which is a little unusual for most of Kate's arrangements. Either Kate Bush will sing and play piano or she has other really awesome, lots and lots of dense electronic production and arrangements. But this is very stripped back. 
And it was also released as a B-side twice. So it was first released as a B-side to the UK single of Moments of Pleasure. And then as the B-side to the US single for Rubber Band Girl. Because Rubber Band Girl was the leadoff single for the Red Shoes in the United States. I love how short and simple this song is. Like, it's just so completely different from what Kate usually does. You don't usually hear a prominent acoustic guitar in her music. And it's also very sweet. It goes with the the theme of the episode. Now, I have to say the episode, Wild Turkey, I have not seen it yet, but I'm definitely going to track it down and watch it for especially this coming season for the Red Shoes, because this is a Red Shoes era song. But I like just how simple it is. It's just very sweet. And you also hear a lot of like, you can hear like how matured her voice is. Like, I just love her vibrato, especially at this point in her career. And that's about it for for that song. I mean, it's it's just a sweet and simple little song. And it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And hopefully it does for you too. Hey everybody, this is Bruce Kramer, Ryan McCusker, and Doug McCusker from Prisoners of Rock and Roll. Ho, ho, ho. Are you rocking? Thanks so much for letting us be a part of this episode, man. I don't know about you two, but I love Christmas music. Yeah, Christmas music puts me in the mood. Yeah, I guess so. So we had to pick one song to talk about, and we got together, and we decided that the one song we wanted to talk about was Run, Rudolph, Run by the legendary Chuck Berry. I mean, all three of us love Chuck Berry, so I was really glad that this song was one that we decided to talk about. I mean, Doug, why do you like this song so much? Puts me in a good mood. Like, I'm not a big fan of Christmas music, but this one seems to do the trick for me. There's that switch on for me. Yeah, we're, like, really hardcore rock and roll guys so this seemed like the perfect choice for us what do you think ryan you like the song i love i love throwback rock and roll i think that's the original sound and to hear chuck berry every year to uh hear run rudolph run is always good in my heart man absolutely man i mean this song came out in 1958 and 63 years later it's still yeah, it's yeah, still rock it's rocking. still great and even though you get like in the middle of december and you're almost like kind of like, all right, I'm over Christmas music. This song's still kind of like, all right, I'm still in it. I'm still in this game. The thing is, it's been covered so many yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's so you hear it in the supermarket, you hear it on the easy listening channel, because there's like a million different versions of it. And I got a couple notes on it, man. Like, first, I guess that we should point out that the song is actually called Run Rudolph Run, and it's not Run Run, Run, Run Rudolph. Rudolph. I actually, yeah. when, I, when I sent it in saying this is what our pick was, I even I got it wrong, and I said it's <laughs> Run Run Rudolph. And a couple of the cover versions do call it Run Run Rudolph. Oh, no I think like Cheryl wow. Crow's cover and a couple wow. a couple other so ones. So it's not just us. Yeah, so when I emailed Corey, I mistakenly said that we're doing Run Run Rudolph. One interesting so- thing about this song was the song was released in 58, and it became a top 10 hit in 2021. Okay. So it has the record for the longest amount of time between a song hitting the charts and then breaking into the top 10. Yeah. I think uh, Chuck Berry's estate, they released like a video last year of him. It's like a like that an anim- it. It's that, like a cartoon. That was, oh, that was great. I didn't, so maybe yeah, that's I what vaulted that. yeah. it in. I, I saw it doing the notes. Um, Very cool. And maybe the only other interesting thing I had about this song was that the, the opening lines, out of all the reindeers, you know you're the mastermind. Run, run, Rudolph. Randolph ain't that far behind. I was like, who the hell is Randolph? <laughs> you know, like, he, he's not in, you know, Donner and Blitzen yeah. and all this. Like, who is Randolph? So he's I went, one of the elves. I went down the rabbit hole and I figured out, I found out who Randolph was. 
1953, there were two guys named Homer and Jethro, and they released a country novelty song called Randolph the Flat-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> Those guys had to give partial writing credit to Johnny Marks. Johnny Marks is the guy who wrote Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the okay. song. So I think that's what this is, that Chuck Berry's saying, like, Hey Rudolph, you better you better hurry up because this other character from another song is is on is right on your heels and is going to take uh, your royalties. Chuck Berry actually um, he didn't get writing credits for this song. He didn't make any money off of it. He oh, had no to, kidding. He had to sign it all over to the guy who wrote the original Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. The whole thing. Yeah. I'm not surprised. That's crazy. The whole yeah, thing. I'm yeah. Surprised. Wow. So all the publishing rights went to Johnny Marks, who wrote the original used to Rudolph it, the Red Nosed Reindeer. Chuck Berry was used to getting ripped off, but now he's ripping off somebody else. I just thought that was interesting but you know we didn't want to get too far into it we just wanted to talk about a song that we really really liked and this was a great one man the legendary chuck berry and this is yeah. one of the he's one of those artists that i guess as we get further and further away from the time when they were popular that they kind of fall out of you don't hear them on the radio anymore except at christmas time and sure. you know like bing crosby it's and a Sinatra. shame it's a shame there's like so many great artists that did christmas music and they're only known for christmas music now yeah, but yeah. Mariah Carey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I wish I knew one of her songs. I would like make a great joke right now. Well, but... you know what, Ryan? All I want for Christmas is you. Oh, there Thanks, you go. Pal. You. Thank you. All right, man. Well, that's it. Thanks so much. We hope everybody has a great holiday. And thanks again to Corey from the Song Facts Podcast for letting us be a part of this. All right, happy holidays, everyone. Keep on rocking. Peace out. The Canadian Roots Rock Group, the band, was known for many things, innovating a genre, being notoriously mysterious, and being the subject of Martin Scorsese's film The Last Waltz. But the band usually found themselves at home while writing songs about the American South or, alternatively, the Canadian North. But they did make an attempt at a Christmas song in 1976. The band was hard at work on their seminal comeback album, Northern Light, Southern Cross, when they threw around an idea for a Christmas song. Inspired by the birth of guitarist Robbie Robertson's son Sebastian, Christmas Must Be Tonight was originally intended to have been a Christmas single in December of 1975, but when no one in the A&R department at Capitol got behind the idea, it was dropped from the label's schedule. It was later revived for the band's 1977 outtakes album, Islands. Come down to the manger, see the little stranger, wrapped in swaddling, loath the prince of peace. The wheels start turning, torches start burning, and behold, wise men journey from the Interestingly, Christmas Must Be Tonight doesn't really fit the Christmas mold. Maybe it's not so surprising, though. The band really charted their own path. Anyways, it's it's hard to write a Christmas song, hard to beat the classics, and even harder to make a new song that people want to play on repeat as they wrap their Christmas presents every year. As writer Peter Viney notes about other Christmas songs that are successful, Christmas Must Be Tonight is not a raunchy or boozy song, one recipe for a hit, nor does it lift from the classics, 
nor is it sweetly sentimental, nor is it a contemporary quasi-political message, nor is it funny along the lines of Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus or a novelty like Rocking Around the Christmas Tree or Run Rudolph Run. Christmas Must Be Tonight is unashamedly a modern Christmas carol. Similar to a song like Mary's Boy Child was written in the same vein and now appears in churches and at carol services, like Christmas carols, it rests on a strong, beautiful, and memorable melody line, probably one of the best on the entire Islands album. A shepherd on the hillside Where over my flock I abide On a cold winter night A band of angels sing I heard a voice Say fear not, come rejoice It's the end of the beginning Praise the newborn king Musically, Rick Danko leads with the vocal over Robbie Robertson's acoustic guitar. One of the only traditional aspects of the piece is that Christmas Must Be Tonight is written in the modernized version of the language of King James Bible. Lyrics like Behold Wise Men, Journey from the East, say fear not, come rejoice, and praise the newborn king, all emphasize this connection. And they do change the Bible phrases and modernize them to get away with some of the rhymed line features of the song. And another interesting aspect of the vocal is the perspective in which it is sung. It's from a first person viewpoint, that of one of the shepherds. Now critics have noted the importance there of that perspective. It emphasizes the shepherds and less on the kings. The band emphasizes the humble nature of the characters, as they do in other songs in their discography, and effectively utilizing Levon Helm's voice as a secondary vocalist, probably to do because of Levon's southern, more blue-collar voice and charm. Rick Danko also provides a smooth, grooving, looping bass line, and Helm locks in, thumping his bass drum in a strong snare hit to cement the rhythm. Garth Hudson sits behind his Lowry organ, subtly elevating the track, Notice how he adds a wonderful shimmer through the lyrics right below a star that shines on high, accentuating the lyric. His organ work adds a magical flair to the piece, which is supremely fitting for a Christmas tune. It's also worth highlighting the band's vocal harmony, something that they're known for. Richard Manuel, another pianist and vocalist in the group, proves that his high harmony on the chorus is sublime and his vocal flexibility allows him to expand that chorus with Rick and Levon joining in. Christmas Must Be Tonight is deserving of more praise. The song has gained some traction in recent years, having been covered by artists ranging from Hollow Notes to Train to Blue Rodeo and modern acts like Bahamas, and the various band members have also covered it through their solo outings, from Robbie Robertson's 1988 version steeped in the cheesiest 1980s production for Bill Murray's movie Scrooge, or Rick Danko who made it a staple of his live performances in December of each year. Though the band's original version is worthy of being a yearly staple. As critic Jimmy Nelson states, in a way, Christmas Must Be Tonight represents a canny distillation and of what has made the band such an enduring presence. 
from Garth Hudson's spectral colorings to its spacious cadence to Robertson's lyric, offered from the perspective of a shepherd in that holy moment. Christmas must be tonight, and maybe this was doomed from the start, would take on the same kind of emotional direct underpinning that lifted moments like the night they drove old Dixie down in Acadian driftwood. So this year when you're putting on your favorite Christmas songs, maybe give the bands Christmas Must Be Tonight a new listen and you'll find new things to appreciate. Son of a carpenter There he carried the light This must be Christmas Must be tonight Favorite moments of Bob Dylan's theme time radio hour, those 100 masterful montages of Musicana on Sirius XM hosted by Bob, is, is when Tom Waits appears. His voice appears, that is, his indomitable voice, and it's on an old cassette tape, according to Bob. They're talking about something or other, Waits and Dylan, quite a combination and one worth celebrating, and it's in this season of celebration, this season of lights that we will. There's a line in Tom Waits's song, Who Are You This Time? One of my favorites from the album Bone Machine, where he says to his demon lover that he fell in love with her sailor's mouth. And this, for a reason we'll get to in just a moment, always reminded me of the achingly sad song from Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. With your mercury mouth In the missionary times Sad-eyed lady of the lowlands, your mercury mouth, he sings. My warehouse eyes, my Arabian drum, should I put them by your gate? Or sad-eyed lady, should I wait? Mercury mouth, warehouse eyes, sailors' mouths, they all just seem to go together. Dylan Waits are both weird and wonderful, and portions of Dylan's Christmas album were amongst the weirdest musics that Dylan ever released. But his version of The Little Drummer Boy stands out because of its sincerity, made even more apparent by the official video that accompanied the song, a crayon-like stop-action blur of images of people connecting and disconnecting during the holiday season. All that little boy in this classic Christmas song can offer the master is his song. I imagine his sailor's mouth clamped shut 
I imagined his warehouse eyes, windows into a space that could contain the whole world, just looking forward as he plays a simple song and tries to turn that mercury mouth to a smile. It is a season of gifts and giving in a world that seems ever more hungry for taking, taking lives, taking the law into our own hands, taking liberties with other people's bodies, taking opportunity and riches and stuffing them into a warehouse with locks that only a very few can open. Now, you can pretend to have the holiday spirit by buying up whatever you can carry, but you cannot fake being sincere. The simple gift of the simple beat of an Arabian drum. That's the spirit of the holiday spirit, the way it was meant to be. And as he so often does, Dylan delivers this message slightly off key, but with a lot of color and mercurially, just a touch syncopated, unexpectedly, and a little weird. That's the song that I choose for this holiday season. Bob Dylan's The Little Drummer Boy with just a wisp of Tom Waits. I'm Stephen Daniel Arnoff, host of Bob Dylan About Man and God and Law, a podcast found wherever podcasts are found. I'm also the author of a new book about man and God and law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan. Happy holidays, everybody. Hey, happy holidays, everyone. This is Dan from the Story Song Podcast. Uh, We analyze lyrics of story songs and talk about the history of the song. And along the way, we make a bunch of jokes that hopefully everyone will find funny. Uh, It's usually a lot of fun. So if that sounds good to you, uh, give us a listen. Okay. The song I picked was Christmas in Prison by John Prine. About 10 years ago, I wanted to put together a mix of Christmas songs that touched on the darker side of the holidays. Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight by the Ramones and Daddy, Please Don't Get Drunk This Christmas by John Denver, songs like that. I was looking around for other songs to fill out the mix and I came across a song called Christmas in Prison by a country artist that I'm ashamed to say I didn't know. It was Christmas in prison and the food was real good. We had turkey and pistols carved out of wood and I dream of her always even when I don't dream her name's on my tongue and her blood's in my strain wait a while eternity I listened to the song and I was expecting to hear a maudlin melodramatic dirge about well being in prison at Christmas But what I heard instead was one of the most intelligent, beautiful, and ultimately heartbreaking songs I've ever heard. And this is my introduction to the work of John Prine. In the late 60s, John Prine was working as a mailman in Chicago and performing in small clubs at night. In 1970, a critic saw him by chance and wrote a glowing review. 
it was the first of John Prine's career. That critic was Roger Ebert. And that review propelled Prine from part-time open micer to professional musician. In 1971, fellow country artist Steve Goodman convinced Chris Christopherson to see John Prine perform. Christopherson later said, by the end of the first line, we knew we were hearing something else. It must have been like stumbling onto Dylan when he first busted onto the village scene. He also later jokingly said that Prine's songwriting was so good, we'll have to break his thumbs. At least I think he was joking. Chris Christopherson is kind of scary. But anyway, either way, Chris Christopherson invited John Prine to open for him on tour, and that led directly to Prine's first recording contract. Most of that first album, entitled John Prine, was recorded at American Sound Studios in Memphis. John Prine later recalled, I was terrified. I went straight from playing by myself, still learning how to sing, to playing with Elvis Presley's rhythm section. The album contained several of his best-known songs, Sam Stone, Hello in There, and Paradise. John Prine was a true purveyor of outlaw country. At the height of the Vietnam War, he released a song titled, Your Flag Decal Won't Get You Into Heaven Anymore. John Prine never hesitated to speak his truth, no matter what it might have cost him. Christmas in Prison was from John Prine's third studio album, Sweet Revenge. In the lyrics, Prine's narrator describes Christmas Day in prison, presumably the best day all year, saying the food was real good and there'll be music tonight, while most of the song is spent discussing his love that he's separated from. The wistful and matter-of-fact nature of the lyrics make it all the more heartbreaking, including one of the last lines where he says, I'll probably get homesick tonight. Clearly, he's definitely going to get homesick tonight. But even to you, the listener, he's trying to downplay how sad he truly is. Prine suggested that the prison may not be a literal one, saying, It's about a person being stuck somewhere like a prison, in a situation they don't want to be in, and wishing they were somewhere else. But I used all the imagery as if it were an actual prison. Sadly, John Prine died in April of 2020, an early victim of the COVID pandemic but he leaves behind an unparalleled musical legacy. I listen to Christmas in Prison every holiday season, and it still packs the same emotional punch it did the first time I heard it. Some snowy December evening, snuggle up, be glad you're not in prison, and give it a spin. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Happy holidays, everyone. I'm Amy Linden, and along with Courtney Anderson, we are the co-hosts and co-creators of the Pantheon podcast, I'ma Let You Finish. And if you listen to I'ma Let You Finish, and if you don't, why aren't you? You know that Courtney and I share a deep and almost psychotic love of Pet Shop Boys. And so when it came to time picking our favorite Christmas song, holiday song, well, the choice was obvious. Pet Shop Boys, it doesn't often snow at Christmas. which is everything you want in a Christmas song. It's campy, it's funny, it's danceable, it's tongue-in-cheek, it's hummable, 
and ultimately, it's Pet Shop Boys. And it has the Elton John seal of approval. And you don't get more ho, ho, ho than that. All right, so let me give you a little history about it doesn't often snow at Christmas. Every year, Pet Shop Boys would send out Christmas cards to members of their official fan club. And in 1997, they sent a CD with It Doesn't Often Snow at Christmas. It remained unavailable. This was an exclusive thing for their fan club. And it was very, very sought after because it was a rarity. And then 2005, it appeared on a limited edition charity CD, Elton John's Christmas Party. And a video was made of that where they are performing the song with a boys choir because it's Pet Shop Boys. And that recording itself became a limited release, which was distributed through Starbucks, but I believe only overseas because I never saw it in Starbucks. The song continues to remain obscure until December 2009 when Pet Shop Boys released a new version co-produced with Marius DeVries, which is on a Christmas EP. This new version was more heavily produced and contained brief bits of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The opening line of the song, it just sets the mood for the song. Christmas is not all it's cracked up to be. At some point in the song, Neil Tennant implores Bing Crosby, are you listening to me? But at the end, after kind of making fun of the commercialism of Christmas and, and noting whether this song will become one of the number one Christmas single in England, which as we all know is a huge honor, the song's hook is, it doesn't often snow at Christmas the way it's meant to do, but I'll still have a ball at Christmas because I'll be with you. And you know what? Who are we to say that Neil Tennant isn't on the mark? So that is our favorite holiday song. It's available now. You can find it anywhere. They have done a live version at the O2 several years ago. Pet Shop Boys are perennial favorites. It doesn't often snow at Christmas. This is Amy Linden and Courtney Anderson from I'ma Let You Finish. Have a great holiday and hope to see you in the new year. Hi, my name is Paul Stevenson from Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate classic rock podcast, with big-name interviews on every show, including 14 Rock and Roll Hall of Famers in the last 12 months. Now, with me hosting a classic rock podcast and being from the UK, I had to go with one of the best British bands of the classic era, groundbreaking in many ways, with some incredible singles like all Day and All of the Night and You Really Got Me, which ushered in a hard rock sound being one of the first popular recordings of Distortion on a Guitar. You've got the brilliant lyrics and subject matter, which at the time was pretty amazing in Lola and dedicated follower of fashion. The beautiful melodies conjured up by Waterloo Sunset or Days or, or Sunny Afternoon. I am, of course, talking about the fabulous Davies Brothers, Ray and Dave and the Kinks. Their festive offering was released in 1977, the nicely titled Father Christmas. But, with the Kinks' usual brilliance for crafting songs, this isn't the sort of song you necessarily sit round the fire playing with the family and listening to, due to its cutting perspective and lyrics like this one early on. When I was small, I believed in Santa Claus, though I knew it was my dad. Now, Father Christmas is written from the view of a department store Santa Claus who gets beaten up by a gang of poor kids. You don't get this from Noddy Holder or Mariah Carey or Michael Bublé, do you? 
Now, the song's lyrics want the department store Santa to give them some money or they'll beat him up. They don't want the toys. In fact, give them to the little rich boys because toys are useless. These poor kids need money to get by. But the song itself isn't just a throwaway, violent tale. Like many of the Kinks songs that feature or include the areas that they grew up in, this song has its roots in the Davies upbringing too. Now, the brothers were part of eight siblings. They also had six sisters. And growing up in England after the war was no barrel of laughs. So the inspiration in part flowed from their own experiences of Christmas. Now, in the book, You Really Got Me, The Story of the Kinks, Dave says... I could see the faces of my parents when Christmas came around. They had to struggle to make ends meet. We kind of got what we needed, but there was something fake about the holiday. So, lines in the song like, Give my daddy a job because he needs one, he's got lots of mouths to feed, are more than just a line from a song. You can feel it deep down. It means something to them. It's a lived experience. And as you'd expect from the kinks, all the lines in the song are brilliant, crafted cuttingly, and with more than just a casual finger poke at consumerism too with one of the last verses being an eye-opener. Have yourself a Merry Christmas. Have yourself a good time. But remember the kids who got nothing while you're drinking down your wine. All this makes for a less-than-conventional Christmas song, but it's wrapped up in a brilliant melody, hook-laden guitar parts and a short-stabbing solo thrown in too. It's a great alternative Christmas song that should definitely get more airplay. And one last thing, I love the story that Ray told in an interview once about the band being on tour in the 70s, supporting another big band at this time. Now, one night Ray went off stage and came back on dressed as Santa and they played the song. It went down an absolute storm and the headliner found it difficult to compete. So much so that the next night Ray was blocked from going back on the stage dressed as Santa by the bouncers and the security staff. They wouldn't let Santa go on for the encore. So there you go. So in parting, perhaps maybe we should all do something for those less fortunate this year. I mean, there's charities all over asking for donations of gifts or small monetary values, maybe volunteer at a shelter or something like that, whatever it is. A bit of festive love to those less fortunate than us. That said, though, I hope you all have a great Christmas filled with love, fun and laughter. And don't forget to check out Vintage Rock Pod 2. Take care. What's up, Song Facts listeners? My name is Sean O'Loughlin, and I'm the host of You're Not Listening, a podcast that teaches you how to actively listen to music one song at a time. Every year we do a holiday special where we each dive into a specific Christmas song, and I want to share a song from our very first holiday special a couple years ago. That song is Mary's Boy Child slash Oh My Lord by the 70s disco group Boney M. Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day, and man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day Long time ago in Bethlehem so the holy 
Instead of scripting out my reasons, I thought maybe I'd share a little clip of our coverage on this song. So enjoy this little piece of a conversation we had a couple years ago, and remember to stay hydrated, listen to good music, and don't be a dick. Happy holidays, everyone. Boney M in the 70s during the disco era was a vocal group that was brought together in like Germany. They, I think they classified it as Euro-Caribbean disco <laughs> reggae. So it was right. like it was like <laughs> some guy who was like a resort performer in Aruba and then the lead singer, she was from Jamaica and I think there was someone else from Jamaica and then a couple people from Europe. They did this killer version of Mary's Boy Child and they had another song that they wrote called Oh My Lord and it fits really right. well together and it is this awesome upbeat reggae dancey yeah. reg- it, it sounds like the 90s pop reggae stuff that was yep. out. Yep. so it sounds like a song from the 90s but it's, it's from the 70s, 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is okay i, I would have thought the 80s and 90s okay yeah in europe it's like one of the most sold singles of the 70s or something like that wow. like it's, it I was huge it. over there but it's like <laughs> it's just it's a really fun song and it's one of those that if People know it. They'll hear it and say, oh, I love this song. This is the greatest. But you don't hear it that often. Like it's one of those songs where like it would be so much fun to be in a room with a bunch of people that know it and just like yep. clapping your hands and bouncing yep. around and singing it all together. It would be so much fun. Which is the exact intent, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And, you know, I was reading some articles about this band. This group is super interesting how they came from all over. Some guy who's a songwriter brought them all together and they were supposed to be just lip syncing on TV to some like disco thing. Yep. And then it turned out that oh by the way they can actually sing and they became legitimate recording artists but then they said that it would never would have worked if it weren't for that one lead singer i don't remember her name but they said everyone else is replaceable except her so because she's got she's got the greatest voice she's got she's well she's got a great voice liz mitchell liz mitchell it is her okay yeah, that's yeah okay. that's it. she has that amazing island accent which is a really cool contrast a lot of times those island nations they don't practice christianity so like hearing a song about the birth of Jesus being sung in with this island accent and this island sound with the steel drums in the background and well and then this is also the disco side of things too so mm-hmm. it wasn't just that it was reggae it was also played in discos over and over and over again all over in Europe right but it doesn't sound like a disco song to me no but it's so danceable it, it, it was it's probably pre disco it's very danceable disco. I mean it's another song yeah. that's hard not to dance when you hear it. And like I said, with all of these songs that are meant to be inspirational and uplifting and rejoicing, this is this actually does that. Like this has yeah. that feel. Like you and feel like you're rejoicing when you're playing this song. That's a good point. So it does ha- kind of go back to that as Part well. Now hear the angels. The, the angel. Yeah. And then when it goes into the end, you know, oh my lord. So that's yeah, super you- cool. I love that that part. What's really cool about that? It's two songs. So like I said, the Mary's boy child part in the beginning. You know, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ was born on Christmas. That part, that's a, a Harry Which Belafonte Which is a traditional song. carol. Well, it was written in the 60s. Yeah. But then, Oh My Lord, which is like the second half of that song, was written by this guy that brought them all together, I believe. So he like put his song into it. So it's what's cool about it is the way that they switch into it is they hum the entire verse and chorus of Mary's Boy Child. Yep. And then everything yep. drops and it's just like a bass drum. And they're doing that first yeah. verse, and like that's a that's a cool melody. The way that 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 flows up, and, and you down. know what that is? That is, you know, on the two and the four. It's a bass line. Clap your hands. What Boom. that is is that's a bass line. And what's really cool about it is that melody. In the very beginning of that song, before they start singing, the bass line is playing that melody for one time, like one go around. The bass plays the melody of that second song, and then. When they start going into long time ago in Bethlehem, it's a different. It's the regular baseline yeah. for that song. So, yeah. 
So they tie it in the very beginning, and then they bring it out in the um, melody of the second part, which yeah, is it's really cool. And then when you're at that Oh My Lord part, and it's just that heavy bass drum with a lot less background music, and yep. it's so enjoyable to listen to, and, and it's a really nice break from Silent Night and the first Noel, you know? I think it should be on every Christmas playlist out there because yep. it is happy, and it is fun. It's enjoyable to listen to, mm-hmm. and it breaks you out of that kind of melancholy feeling that you get sometimes listening to some of these songs, which are all, like, beautiful. I think Silent Night and First Noel are just gorgeous songs, but they're not happy and they're not exciting and they're not right. celebratory right. to me. Oh, look at that. I knew something about a punk band. Just some old fat this... drunk dudes jumping up and down. <laughs> this tree just planted itself right on top of the cement. I did watch a YouTube video today. My dad mashed potatoed of Chris Graba. Aaron doesn't know who Chris Carava is. It's so good. That's great. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Tree and welcome to our second annual Christmas special. Right, Aaron? Right. That's the second one. It's the our second, second one. Second time we've joined the Pantheon Christmas uh, special. And Aaron, you picked you picked the song this year, so why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off with just letting us know what it is we're going to be chatting about? All right, we're going to talk about um, the war on Christmas is over if you buy it by Anti Flag. It's a song we put out last Christmas. And what's the big takeaway for you? Oh, the big takeaway with me is that they are sort of responding to the American evangelical claims that there is a war on Christmas by the liberals to remove Christmas and Christ from America. And I noticed uh, there's like a YouTube lyric video. Is that how they released the song initially? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and like a lot of that controversy started with Starbucks and the, the like Starbucks did red cups instead of having Christmas cups. They just went to red cups. Right. And I noticed in that lyric video, they're burning a bunch of random shit, like throwing Christmas albums into the trash, throwing an American flag into, or not in the trash, but into a fire pit. Yeah. And they, and they threw in some Starbucks cups. I noticed mm-hmm. that. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. You see that? Uh huh. Uh huh. I missed it. Jesse, what do you think? Uh, it was definitely a fun punk song. It's more uh, traditional punk than like a lot of the music I listen to. I listen to a lot of more punk adjacent stuff, as our listeners would definitely know. I'm the not as punk of the punk tree guys, but um, it was definitely a fun traditional punk song to me. Though my criticism is that it, it it's it's lazy. I think it's a lazy song. So like if you're gonna repeat something like over and over in a chorus, it's gotta hit harder than. This is the war on Christmas. Your names made our shit list. Happy new fear. Okay. But I think the meat is in the verses, right? Like when he says, but not enough of you are buying. So this year you're dying. Merry Christmas. This means war. Oh, uh, that is so threatening. I, I don't think you're supposed to take it as an actual threat. I think he's responding to all the crazy people who think that there's an actual war on Christmas and people are trying to remove Christmas from our traditions, which is not really a thing. They're getting riled up about bullshit. Um, when really the the actions that these people take are very like antithetical to what 
Christ really preached. And a lot of it is um, focused on capitalism and what we get out of things instead of the real meaning or the good in anything. And that's what uh, he's really attacking. In that case, I, I, can, I can get behind. I can get behind that message for sure. That that's definitely a message message I can get in line with for sure. It's but, also um, it's also a massage you could get behind, for sure. Yeah, mis- massages and massages, <laughs> all the good massages, all the good massages for sure. Hey guys, uh, before we go, um, I think it'd be uh, as we always do. Just like everybody has a drink in their hand, what do you got, Jesse? Uh, Neonista by Fieldwork. They make excellent beers. Uh, I think they're most uh, they're, they're around California, but up in the Bay Area primarily. Cool, Aaron. What do you got? This is India Pale Whale from Harlan Brewing down oh. here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Such a good brewery. I'm drinking something really spectacular and special uh, for this time of year. Um, I'm, I've got a 1.75 liter Kirkland Signature traditional holiday eggnog in my oh hand. Oh my gosh. That's, that's a large bottle. Made with real dairy, cream, whiskey, spice, rum, brandy, and French vanilla. And our, our, uh, our listeners can't see this, but what am I doing, guys? He's chugging it straight from this from his bottle. <laughs> it's it's thick. It's real oh thick. Oh my goodness. It's real <laughs> creamy at the bottom there, especially. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody from the punk tree. Happy New Year. Happy New Fear. Happy other holidays that you might be celebrating with your friends and families. We'll see you, uh, we'll see you later. Be excellent to each other. Bye, buddy. It's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ, which is my studio. I'm the host of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And well, I've spent the last 23 years on the radio talking about rock music and talking to the bands that make it. And last year, I launched the Mistress Carrie podcast and have spent this entire year talking to everyone from Nita Strauss to Ben Bruce from Asking Alexandria. I talked to J.J. French and Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister and Miles Kennedy. I talked to Adrian Ballou from King Crimson. I even talked to Elvira. I talked to Brendan Yates from Turnstile and Nick Reese from Joyous Wolf if you're looking for some new music. And I got caught up with grunge legends Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains and Dean DeLeo from Stone Temple Pilots. I talked to all things guitar shredding with John Five, Nancy Wilson... Danny and Waddy from The Immediate Family, Rob Caggiano from Volbeat, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, and Thrasher from Escape the Fate. And if you want to talk lead singers, the Mistress Carrie podcast had him this year. Sully Erna from Godsmack, Alice Cooper, Mark from Dirty Honey, 
Brandon Soller from Atreyu, Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach, Diamante, Amy Lee from Evanescence, and Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm, Jack Underkoffler from Dead Poets Society. I talked to Chris Daughtry from Daughtry and Lee Kakati from Pop Evil. Elias from Nonpoint checked in on the show, and so did Taylor Mumpson from The Pretty Reckless. Dan Murphy from All Good Things, Andy Beerzak from Black Veil Brides, and Kevin Martin from Candlebox all chimed in. Plus, legendary bass player Billy Sheehan and Carl Bell from Fuel. And I even got some updates on the new Shinedown record from Brent Smith himself. It's been an amazing year, and the more artists I talk to, the more I realize that Spinal Tap was more truth than fiction. Every artist I talk to has been injured on stage, fallen off stage, had a prop trap them on stage, gotten lost backstage, and yeah, even had a wife or a girlfriend disrupt the rest of the band. Spinal Tap is fact. So this year for my holiday pick, well, I picked a Spinal Tap classic from 1984. The album was This Is Spinal Tap. And well, you can't spend Christmas without Christmas with the devil. So happy holidays from the Mistress Carrie podcast. You can find me online at mistresscarrie.com, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. This is Spinal Tap, Christmas with the Devil. Wow. Thank you so much to Mistress Carrie for that recap. Not a better way to trail off this year than with some Spinal Tap. To all my fellow Pantheon hosts, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to submit. And if you didn't get a chance to get it in by the deadline, there's always next year. What a year. Such a huge, massive amount of appreciation that I have to you, the listener. For listening to my little passion project and being open to new music and wanting to learn more about how that music is made. Hoping that you and yours are safe and merry as this year rounds out. Song Facts Podcast will be back with new episodes on January 5th. We hope that you tune in and as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. Hey, hey, hey.